When we started the Internet Advisor 17 years ago with Gary Baker, uh, the premise for it was uh, to answer people's questions about their computers. And since that time, what well, we've gone, oh, man, from the those noisy dial-up modems and getting things fixed. Uh, Mike Brennan, let's see, those, mo- those modems were, I forget what they were, the baud rate or whatever it was, but... Really slow, like really four st- or something, you know? <laughs> yeah. I Terribly think when, slow. I think when we started, they were just coming out with 14 fours. That's right. When we started right. the radio show. That's right. But I remember my first um, modem tying back into the Michigan terminal system was at 300 baud. Oh, wow. I was I was young. I was really young at that time. But that was so cool because otherwise you had to go to the, you know, into the computer room, into mm-hmm. the user room there and, and uh, you know, use one of their dumb terminals. And this way you could sit at home. Yeah. No matter how slow it was, it was still better. How far we have come in these 17 yeah, years. Absolutely. It's amazing to think about. Well, what I was trying to say is that we have transitioned as well. And one of the things that I love doing now, because with part of our focus, Gary, we had twofold. One was to help people with their problems, to get them on the Internet and around it and over their problems. But the other thing also was to highlight Michigan businesses that were involved in technology. That's right. And that means, uh, Mike, you're involved with entrepreneurs as well. That would be highlighting people from our area here who have created new devices, software, etc. So that's why we're delighted to have with us in studio somebody from uh, the Detroit area, Patrick Paul is with us, who is one of the co-founders of Hemingwright. And by the way, if you go to our homepage, internetadvisor.net, there's a video you can play to see a little bit more about what it is. But in studio, we have him with the device that we can... There, hold the microphone. See it, folks? Just look at the microphone there. Oh, yes. Hold it. Could you hold it a little higher so everybody <laughs> oh, yeah, at home yeah. can see? Okay. Patrick does not pic- understand how radio <laughs> works. Some pictures here. But I, we brought you in, Patrick, to talk about... This is the whole process of how this came to be. Rick Broido's here as well, who is what he's a, uh, an experienced writer as well as our gadget guy. And you've been writing for how many years now, Rick? Oh my gosh, too many. <laughs> 25, <laughs> so, 25 years. We're going to be talking about this device in terms of your experience. But Patrick, first of all, where did this idea come from to create a device that is essentially digital but disconnected completely from the internet? Okay, so actually, let me walk it back a second. Yeah. Um, you know, there's two of us. Um, right. I'm the software guy, and then, uh, you know, my partner, Adam Lieb, is the uh, mechanical engineer. Ah, and okay. we actually both um, had been working down, uh, downtown since 2013 in uh, the Bisdom Startup Accelerator um, with their own companies in the same co-working space. And so, you know, ah. for, the, for the listeners out there, a co-working space... You know, there may be as many as 10 companies, 30 people, right. all working on their own different things. And so you can imagine there's... Um, you know, a great diversity of ideas and backgrounds. Yeah. Um, and we I heard was, about that like at Bamboo Detroit, I think. Oh, it's a, well, another place like that. We heard about that. Yeah, go ahead. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Um, um, also visited Bamboo. There's a few other yeah. co-working spaces all around yeah. Detroit. And, you know, one of these days, um, you know, I, I sat kitty corner from Adam Lieb. So when I didn't want to work, I'd be, you know, shooting the <laughs> film. And, <laughs> uh, um, and, and one of the times I was sharing how, um, you know, when I needed to write something, um, I'm kind of my own biggest critic. So if sure. I'm using Microsoft Word, it's too easy to just you know delete that last paragraph because it sucked and rewrite it, et cetera. Right. And so I would actually use a lot of um, distraction-free software that was around oh. that basically just blanks out your whole screen. Um, and, and sometimes you can even disable the backspace key. And so that was what was critical for me is that On the software if I... Side. I if it. I sat down for two hours, normally I might only write half a page, but if I can't backspace, I'm at least going to get you know two hours of writing, <laughs> two hours of, of characters on the page. I love that. Okay. And and you know this was just us us chatting, and you know maybe this was you know a year ago, uh, November, uh-huh. something like that, um, and it kind of percolated, and 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 Adam, you know, didn't really think much of it at the time, but 
there's actually a lot of professional writers out there that that do that go to great lengths to get rid of distraction. You know, some people will travel with two laptops. One um, that's bare bones, only uh, has oh, you know I their see. writing software on it, and then another that has you know Facebook and and internet connectivity and everything. Rick, Rick can you relate to that? Uh, oh my gosh, I can absolutely relate. It's um, I I find myself now I'll sit uh, and write a paragraph. And then I'll check my email, or then I'll, ch- yeah. I'll check Facebook. Because it's, it's all there, and it's it's ridiculous. Yeah, the the distractions that pull okay. at you, especially when you're trying to do something creative and you're trying to have you know <laughs> words come out, it yeah. just it doesn't work. Yeah, and so this is was the a flow was constantly oh, the being flow broken, was constantly that, interrupted. That's what you were get, getting at, Patrick. Yeah, right? and and creativity really comes from like solitude, being alone to you know let the juices sure. flow, that type of thing. Um, and so so Adam, you know. You know, even me using these kind of software applications, it's still it takes a lot of discipline not to minimize and get back on, you know, email or Facebook, right, et cetera. Exactly. And so he came up with the idea, you know, let's make this into a standalone device. Um, and the great thing, you know, you were saying earlier how, you know, you know, ten, fifteen years ago when the internet was first happening, there was you could you could do a podcast and reach so many viewers. So of course there were a lot of, you know, dot com startups that were able right. to provide services over the internet for the first time. Um, really, in the last five years, the same thing is kind of happening for hardware startups, where there's a uh-huh. lot of kind of developer kits yep. that make it very easy to develop on, you know, a, a little chip that has built-in Wi-Fi. Um, and all of a sudden, um, I mean, if you guys have heard about the Internet of Things, that's right. you know, putting Wi-Fi on a thermostat, uh, basically refrigerator, have, whatever else. You know, it's we have a, a full-size mechanical keyboard, um, an e-paper display, and nothing else. You know, so there's no other. Uh, it's very deliberate that we did, wanted to make something that was great at one thing, that did just one thing and one thing sublimely well. So writing. you and Adam then got together, and you're, it's like <laughs> it's like Reese's peanut butter, no? The, the, the peanut, what was it, into the peanut butter or whatever. You got together. Yeah, yeah, you, you know, there's, Adam likes the chocolate to draw this uh, Venn diagram. You know, on, uh, you know his startup um, at the time was a nutritional supplements company, so that's the left circle in, in the <laughs> Venn diagram. Um, I was doing, so, you know, I had a residential solar uh, startup. So that's the right side. When you bring them two together, you get digital typewriter. typewriter. Boom! That's what I love it. I love it. I love it. And that's the marvel that comes out of these startup, these especially these little incubators, essentially where people are coming from many different directions. Bottom line is, you, he came up with the mechanical device that that reminds me of the old Smith Corona I used to have. A, a, a yeah, I was going to say the first time I saw something like that, it was called a Selectric. Well, the Selectric <laughs> right. was down the road from the Smith Corona that I used I in was, college. I was older. Yeah, I, I was older yeah, than you. Yeah, I yeah. was younger than you. But anyway, it, it essentially looks like a, a little portable device, like with a keyboard and everything else. Yeah. Well, you folks have yeah. used portable typewriters in the old days. It looks exactly like that. Yeah, so, I mean, it was definitely inspired by, you know, the, the typewriter. Um, we basically took all the best aspects of, like, the longhand journal typewriter and even, you know, the word processor and combined them in the one device. I love it. I love and, it. And, you know, I guess I'll, I'll see if I can swivel the mic and show off some of the, the typing. You know, this is a, it's a mechanical keyboard. So what that means is, you know, a normal laptop. Go ahead, and I think we can pick it up. The engineers will pick this up. Uh, okay. Put your microphone. We're gonna, let's, let's hear the sound of it as you hit the keys. Go ahead. Okay, so you have the real sound of hitting the keys. And is there like a good response in terms of the Oh, yeah, the, it's, it's, it's the... The tactile response is like... Yeah, I mean, in the early days of computing, when we were going to computers, manufacturers were, 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 you know, were, were coming up with cheaper and cheaper keyboards because they were, you know, less mm-hmm. expensive. They could sell the systems. People would keep their old IBM AT and yes. 3270 keyboards because they liked the mechanical the feel of them. Feel was of much them. better. People yep. go to a great lengths to spend eighty, one hundred and eighty dollars for keyboards like that. And you package that in here. Yeah. So I mean, keyboard. obviously, this is 
this is one of like two prototypes, you know. Right. <laughs> so, um, you know, most of the electronics, you know, we we got off the shelf, and so we're actually using a. Oh, I see. You know, a, a Poker Two keyboard, which is on anyone's like top five list of mm -hmm. mechanical keyboards that are okay. made. Um, and the difference again with a, a normal keyboard is what's called a membrane keyboard, it has these little bumpers on the bottom. Yeah, yep. And so you're constantly grounding out your fingers to register a key press. Um, a mechanical keyboard actually actuates at about 50% of the way down. So mm. if if you were actually trained to type on a mechanical keyboard, um, you would you would never get carpal tunnel, you know, because you're not actually oh. hitting. Oh. You can kind of float on the air. Now, of course, I grew up on the same you know typewriter as everyone uses, so I still ground out the keys. But I, I, you're right, exactly. So it's a lighter touch accomplishes the same thing is that how you can you relate to that Rick? well because when i started out it was uh it was you know old ibm tile style keyboards and computers monochrome screen and yeah this old this exact kind of keyboard is is kind of how i started my writing career and so i've had this evolution from this to more of the island style keyboards mm -hmm. that we see now on on laptops and tablets and everything and now this so this almost feels quaint to me and like a, a nostalgic in a way to because I've, I've weaned myself off of this style keyboard but i remember it was like kicking and screaming that i went from this style to what we use now so it's it's wild to see this come back patrick in, in like 30 seconds how, you you put this together you and adam then put this together did he fabricate this you said this is one of two yeah you know it's 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 funny one of the other things that's kind of happened in the last five years is 3d printing um this is actually not 3d printed it's actually a challenge to find a 3d printer that can print larger than 10 by 10 by 10 inches and so we had this the form factor is dictated by having a full-size keyboard there's mm -hmm. a lot of you know netbooks that really crunch Yes. You know, the keys together yes. and they, right. they suck to type on. Yes, they do. Um, so this keyboard is, I think, like 11.2 inches wide, and that basically dictated the rest of the size of the Hemingwright. And we we basically would have had to redo the whole design. And, and, and Adam, who is a mechanical engineer, um, he just decided he was going to mill this out of aluminum. So... So wow. he went to the you know the junkyard, bought 380 pounds of aluminum. That was too heavy to get in his van, so he cut <laughs> it into four wedges. I love it. Um, and then and then basically uh, CNC machined it um, uh, into wow. what you see here. Right, but, We're the, talking... but the other important part to make that we haven't got a chance to is this is connected via the internet, and and you can select where you'd like to have the information published. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get to that. Oh, we're gonna get to that. Yep, we got another okay, part coming another up here. Segment. We've been talking with Patrick Paul about Hemingwright, which is the device that's in studio right now. Kind of exciting because we're on the cusp of this thing breaking free. Before we go any further, I'd like to acknowledge folks behind the glass. That's Mr. Rich Lozinski. Thank you very much, our engineer, and also Eric Dorsch, who's handling the phones today. Thank you so much for being here. Foster Brown, along with Gary Baker, the co-founders of the Internet Advisor, our 17th anniversary, Ed Rudell in studio with us, and Mike Brennan, who is the editor of MI Tech News as well. And uh, Rick Broida, our gadget guy, also a writer, is here, along with Patrick Pohl. And Patrick, we've been talking about uh, your invention, along with your uh, partner, Adam Lieb. It's called Hemingwright. And you've got a device in front of you, but as you see, that's a prototype, okay? You haven't yes. mass-produced this yet. We're talking about how you guys got together, and then um, you went to a program called Kickstarter. Well, first of all, you built that in, the, in a maker space in the area here, right? That's correct. Um, shout out to uh, i3 Detroit. Um, they're a makerspace, so you can do welding, woodworking, CNC uh, machining, um, anything. Right. So you uh, took to your ideas and you were able to go into this makerspace and use machinery that you probably could never have rented before in any way, Absolutely. but it's all there. You created your actual physical devices, went from ideas and whiteboards into a real thing. Um, the device now weighs about how much? So this prototype is, is six pounds. Okay. Um, 
we we basically were very generous with like the the width of the chassis right. because we didn't want to you know punch through gotcha. anything. Uh, the the first generation Hemingwright you know shipping later this year will be four pounds. Okay, so Let's, then you took this. We've got this device. Then you went to a Kickstarter which is one of those funding sites. And matter of fact, folks, if you go to internetadvisor.net, in the middle of the page there's a video. If you click on that, that's a video from the Kickstarter site. And you'll see both uh, uh, Patrick Pohl and Adam Lieb in there giving kind of a presentation about your device. It's fascinating. So on Kickstarter, you had a goal of raising how much money? Uh, we set it at 250000 And the, the goal was to do that by in December, wasn't it? Uh, we set it to like 45 days. Okay. So... And when you got to 25 days, <laughs> you got there early, didn't you? Yeah. So, you know, if you had asked me a year ago if I would be working on a, a digital typewriter now, that sound pretty ludicrous. And I think a lot of you know <laughs> listeners right now think it's pretty ludicrous. And, and again, Adam and I had, you know, this was like a side project that we either needed to succeed with or fail with very quickly so we could go back to our other occupations. That's interesting. <laughs> and, and so we wanted to get it in front of people very quickly. And, and on Kickstarter, we launched it on uh, Wednesday, December 10th. And within the first 20 hours, we had raised you know $200,000. We had sold wow. probably 500 Hemingrights. Wow. And so uh, people, how does this work then? If people get, like, if Rick, if you had committed a certain amount of money to that, you would have gotten one of these things when they're finally produced? Is that how it works? Yeah, so Kickstarter is, is all about um, matching inventors. Um, with their earliest, you know, customers, their gotcha. stake, you know, who became stakeholders. So, right. you know, now we're up, you know, we're on the hook to deliver, th you know, a thousand Hemingrights to a thousand backers. Um, but at the same time, um, you've got a thousand sales. Exactly. Yeah, it's yeah. better to. It's so much better to fund your company with sales than it is with venture capital, right? And, and, and I, I, I would not have enjoyed trying to pitch, you know, investors on the idea of a digital typewriter before we had any type of. I'm no trying to envision success. you guys going on Shark Tank with this or something. <laughs> no, 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 no that'd be scary. <laughs> you ended up yeah, with uh, $342,000, though. I mean, you were like $100,000 beyond your goal, roughly, almost. So where do you go from here now to get this thing into people's hands? Well, we definitely have a lot of work, and, and, and fortunately, you know, we have we have the resources to do it. And we are actually, you know, we'll be, we'll be making our first, you know, hire, you know, within the next month. Uh, to get this through, um, we actually were in Boston last week meeting with you know some of our prospective partners to actually uh, assist us with some of the manufacturing. Um, okay, so you then will link up with somebody who can build this for you. That's the key for you now, right? Yeah, um, we it is it is effective to be able to outsource you know to work with a more experienced contract. Okay, sure, right. You, then yeah, you once you get the prototype done, now you got to go to a production house that can actually build these in scale, right, in mass. And that's yeah. what you're doing right now. Yeah, right? and there's actually a lot of, um, you know, and that's just one, you know, hat we have to wear is, is fulfilling <laughs> these. But, there's, you know, Kickstarter is great. There's, you know, hundreds of projects have been funded and, yeah. and shipped to their earliest backers. Um, but a lot of Kickstarter projects, you know, these great novel products fall into a chasm where after that first buzz, they, they yes. don't actually get into a, you know, a brick-and-mortar store or something. So we still have to be focused on kind of the the 12 to 18 month intermediate time, like, you know, after these first thousand Hemingrights, how are we going to sell the next 10,000? Right. So, and I want to make sure that we don't uh, overlook kind of what the product is and what it can do. Yeah. Because I know, unless you're looking at a picture, you can't really get a feel for it. But I mean, just imagine a uh, kind of an old old school uh, typewriter, but instead of paper, you have uh, an an e ink an e paper screen. And uh, you can explain better than I, Patrick, yeah, uh, how yeah. it's actually a connected device, even though it looks very old school. So yeah, you can you can work on a typewriter and get the the same distraction free. You know, you know, mm -hmm. if you don't have a phone, you don't have a laptop, you just right. have a you know a typewriter. Um, but then you it's, 
you know, you have to, you, everything's typed. You have to like scan it or, or retype it to get it onto your computer for editing. So, so the Hemingwrite is actually cloud connected. So it's constantly syncing and saving to our web application post box. Um, for 90% of users, you know, you can just rest assured that it's being saved somewhere, safe for you to access later. Um, but we, you, we can actually integrate with Evernote, uh, Dropbox, uh, Google Drive, so that, you know, kind of magically, whenever you're finished typing something on the Hemingwrite, you can sit down at your desktop at, at work or at home and open it in Microsoft so Word to, to edit. So Ed, to Ed's point before, Eddie, this sounds like this is, you got a Wi-Fi chip in there then, Patrick? Yes. Okay, so it is connected to the internet in that sense. Right, and, and its real purpose is to provide uh, distraction-free, continuous creation, creation without... Um, you know, all the pop-ups and whistles and... Yeah, but the nice thing is that when the product is done, it goes up. You know, Rick, you creating yeah. an article on there. It is being saved wirelessly then up into the internet through a, wi a Wi-Fi connection. Yeah, and we're also like, we're just... We want to do the first, you know, 25% of writing really well, which is the first draft. So you hammer out your first draft on the Hemingwrite, uh, then you get it online... And you can share it with you know friends, family gotcha, for gotcha. reviews, feedback, and then edit the the final composition. Would this fit your process? Well, I'm glad you asked that because I was just thinking about it too. And when I was uh, fiddling with it a little bit before we started the show, uh, you know, I started typing a bit, and then the first thing I did was start to look for arrow keys so that I could move my cursor back up and edit what I had done. And then Patrick explained, well, there are no arrow keys because the whole idea here is that you're just basically doing kind of a brain dump. In other words, you're mm -hmm. you're typing just as you would on a typewriter. No whiteout, you know, no. <laughs> There's no backspace right. key, nothing like that. Well, there's a backspace key, but in any case, um, you don't edit in the traditional way. Yeah. And so I, for me, as who edits very heavily as I go, um, I'd have to retrain my brain to, to work this way. And I'm not opposed to that. It's just it would be a change for me. And, and we understand this is a very niche product. You know, mm -hmm. this isn't going to work for everyone. Right. And if we had tried, you know, if we tried to please everyone, we'd end up with something that doesn't work for anyone. So, you know, we're trying to put something new out there that doesn't really exist. And is it possible, too, that in the process of a second iteration of this thing, second version of it, you might be including some things based on the feedback that you get from people who get it in and, their hands? And absolutely. And, and, you know, even Hemingway, I think, said that, you know, rewriting is, is a critical part of, of writing. Exactly. Did you have right. a target audience when you started out, or was just just your basic idea and you're pushing it so, out on the market? So, so I mean, I built this for myself first and <laughs> foremost. <Wow. laughs> uh, but you know what? We kind of expected that it would be most applicable to uh, creative writers, uh, long form writers. Um, but the other kind of one of the significant people that started reaching out to us once we got some early press was uh, screenplay writers. Ah. Um, they they really crave a distraction free um, writing tool. Okay. Really. Are there different formats, like script writing and things like that, that you can plug into this, different kind of templates? So, you know, right on the Hemingwright itself, everything is plain text. Okay, uh, gotcha. But it's still very easy to get this into, you know, a rich, richly formatted, you know, Word document or uh, even some of the screenplay documents that are out what's, there. What's the format that you save it to, let's say, the Internet in? What is it, .text file? It's .text, but there, there's a lot of uh, things like, I don't want to go too far okay, down the rabbit okay, hole okay. that that can accommodate people to get it into the the, the tools they're already okay, using. Okay, so like it's Word pretty easily it. adaptable. Then once you get it up there, Patrick Paul, thank you so much for being in studio. I was dying to see this thing, and Rick, I was interested in your responses to that. Patrick Paul and Adam Lieb have created this thing called Hemingwrite, and folks, it's kind of neat because you're seeing them kind of on the cusp of taking this idea. They've got a prototype now, and now it goes to becoming reality with uh, somebody that they're going to be hooking up in this year. I want to have you back once you've got that done, okay? <laughs> Thank well, you, we'll Patrick. We'll be busy. Thank you for being here and celebrating our 17th anniversary with us.